Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Now, the more things change, the more they stay the same. There is environmental problems. It says that there's a famine. There is economic problems. In verse three, it says people are in debt. There are political problems. In verse four, it says that the king's tax is actually very high. Doesn't that list sound very familiar? We're still dealing with these kinds of things today. And here's the thing, it might, when you look at it, when you see that list, you're like, I feel like that is my reality. I feel like that's Toronto. I feel like that's where I live. And it might actually make you feel hopeless. But you should never, never as a Christian feel hopeless. Here's why. God sent Nehemiah into that problem, into their brokenness, and God sent Jesus into our brokenness. And through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the process of restoration and renewal has actually started. Are we getting ready to celebrate that? Isn't that what Christmas is about? It's not about presents. Nothing wrong with a good present, by the way. But it's about that great gift, Jesus Christ. See, Nehemiah and the people rebuilt the wall. What you always got to remember is God is in the process of rebuilding his world and restoring it. That's why it says in Revelation, behold, I am making all things new. And now I know some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, does that mean we do nothing then? If it's a mess and it's broken and God is restoring it, should we just sit back and do nothing? No. We have a chance to participate, to do our part. We should steward the environment. We should actually take care of it. We should, we should be wise and don't do business with bad lenders. Aren't there bad lenders? Come on in and get everything refinanced. We're gonna charge you 20% though. Be wise. We should participate politically. Some of us sometimes we're like, ah, oh, all the candidates, they stink, so we're just not gonna do anything. Is any of them ever going to get better if we don't speak up and ask for better? Is any of them ever going to get better if we actually don't know what needs to be done so we can actually speak into the, the hey, 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 brother, hey, sister, that thing you're saying, that's not what we need. This is what we need. Participate uh, politically. Also, participate and, and support wise and good and biblical social action. God wants that from us. Verse one, it says that there arose a great outcry of the people, and it's because of what was happening to them. It's because of what their Jewish brothers were doing to them. There was actually high interest lending happening, and they were selling people into slavery. That was what the outcry was about. They made a tough, it's already tough, right? Walls destroyed, and these Jewish brothers made a tough time even worse in verse two, they said, we have no food. This is my paraphrase. Here's my, par- my translation. Verse two, we have no food. Verse three, we can't pay our bills. Verse four, we can't afford the king's taxes. Don't you feel that one sometimes? Verse five, we're doing drastic things 
to survive. And here's the thing. This has been going on for a while. This has been going on. Sometimes there's things that are going on inside the church, and it's going on for a while, but there's just something needs to happen to sort of unearth it. This has been going on for a while, but the work on the wall exposed the injustice. This is what that is. This is this. It's an injustice, and the work exposed it. The work on the wall also exposed that they were ignoring Scripture. Leviticus, sorry, Deuteronomy 23, verse 19. God had told them how to behave. These Jewish brothers are actually ignoring the Scriptures. Deuteronomy 29, 19 says, You shall not charge interest on loans to your brothers. Interest on money, interest on food, interest on anything that is lent for interest. Exodus 20, 22, 25. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like the money lender to him and you shall not exact interest from him. Leviticus, God's God's so clear, isn't he? You never have to guess what he wants us to do. Leviticus 25. If your brother becomes poor and and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God. There's no fear of God in their eyes. There's no fear of God in their heart. That your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God's like, I have, you were suffering oppression and injustice. I came and rescued you. So now, when you live your life, you shouldn't turn around and do oppression and injustice. And now that's what they're doing. And he just, he's like, remember what I did for you. Remember what you went through. Where am I? If you're, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Help me out. Sometimes I get lost. No lie. You see me up here doing these? It's also because I'm not wearing my glasses. They're annoying. If your, if your brother becomes poor beside, beside you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave. He shall be with you as a hired worker. God's like, don't, he, you're selling yourself? No, no, no. We're hiring. This is a job for you. And as a sojourner, he shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. So there was a year where they actually got released from this, from selling themselves into work. God's like, at at seven years, they get to go. This is not man-stealing where they locked people up for years on end. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children with you, and go back to his own clan and return to the possessions of his fathers. For they are my servants. God's like, they're my people. Whom I brought out of the, here it is again, out of the land of Egypt, continuing to remind them. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over them ruthlessly, but shall fear your God. When you ignore Scripture, when there's no fear of God before your eyes, it's very easy to mistreat people who are made in the image of God. But when you follow Scripture and when you truly fear God, you will treat people with the respect and the dignity that they deserve. Choosing not to fear God is extremely dangerous for what can happen in your life. Choosing to ignore scripture is extremely dangerous for the person that you can become. 
And that's why God is as clear as he is. And when we are treating each other well, when we are treating each other with the dignity that we deserve and the respect that we deserve, you know what happens here? It maintains unity and peace in our church family. That's the way we want to live. How do we protect our church from dissension? Here's this next one, by confronting each other. Say, "Mm mm-hmm. By confronting each other. Look at verse six. He says, I was very, Nehemiah, I was very angry when I heard their outcry of these words. And I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. And I said to them, you are exacting interest each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them. Nehemiah is like not partial. He's like, oh, the rich people, the wealthy, they did this. Oh, we're not, we're not going to just be like, it's okay. We need their money. We're going to have a talk. He says, I was very angry. Why? Because they're not living like family. See, when you see injustice or hear about injustice, it's right to be angry. But let me say this. Think before you act. It's in the text. Nehemiah thinks before. He, look at verse 7. He says, I took counsel with myself. He doesn't just explode. He doesn't just say, just deal with my anger. I'm angry. So it makes that, that, that the thing I'm doing that is, looks a little fishy, it's okay, because I'm angry. Raymond Brown says, in the right context, anger needs to be expressed. Please hear what I'm saying. In the right context, anger needs to be expressed. It must not be turned inward and pent up with us. If it's allowed to fester, it can damage us. When anger is not handled correctly, this is what's important. The offended person can become an offender. The offended person can become an offender. See, you live in a culture that says, hey, you're angry. Somebody did something to you because of what they did, whatever. You're like the way you respond, no matter how it looks, it's okay. That's not true. We want to respond to mistreatment. It's not that we ignore it. We deal with it. But in the process of dealing with it, we don't want to sin on the way. And so we need to deal with our anger, but we need to be wise in how we do it. He thought, and then he spoke. Verse 7, sorry, verse 8. And I said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought, bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. Kim's taught me how to read scripture when there's an exclamation mark. That's when you say. Sometimes she'd be like, you know, you know in the message, you, like, did like, you did like a thing and it wasn't an exclamation mark. I was like, okay. So here we are. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Nehemiah said, what you're doing is not good. He told them the truth, and they received it. See, the thing is, you can't expect people to change if you never tell them where they've gone wrong. Now, let me give you the flip side. You can't expect to change and grow in your life if you never allow people to speak into it. Sometimes all we want to do is just tell everybody where they're wrong. And they're like, well, how about you? Oh, no, no, no. Or we start with the, I know there's things going on in my life, but 
which is just a deflection. We have to be willing to speak the truth in love, and we have to be willing to receive it. Anthony, I've said this before. Anthony always says to me, Marv, we've got to be ready to be corrected. We've we got to be willing to be in that spot to receive. That's how we grow. He says, ought you not to walk in the fear of God? Now, this word here, fear, is not talking about being terrified like I am of snakes. That one took a while to drop on you. It's not talking about, like if I saw, like a, I, we were watching a show a couple months back, and there was a rattlesnake like, scene, and it just the rattlesnake popped up, and I literally was like, no. <laughs> and Kim's like, come on, you're such a wuss. I'm like, I'm not watching that scene. I'm like, is it over yet? Is it over yet? It's not talking about being terrified. It's actually talking about having a respect for God. It's talking about reverence for God. What? He's worthy of it all. It's talking about having a love for God. That's what it means to fear God. And what you got to realize here is this here is a rebuke. Ought you not to walk in the fear of God? And an invitation. Nehemiah is like, you're not walking in the fear of God based on what you've done, but you can start. See, he's doing it because he wants them to walk right. And this is the heart that we have to have when we confront people. If your heart in confronting someone isn't about them walking right, doing what's wise, if your heart for them isn't driven by love, you should not confront them. Because all you're gonna do is shame them, hurt them, and discourage them. Nehemiah has the right heart in confronting. Again, some of us, we love confronting people because we just love to hurt. That's not how God confronts us. He says, here's what's going on in your life. Here's what needs to change. And I'm doing it because I love you. And here's the process by which you can walk in repentance. Here's how to do it. He confronts them the right way. He's concerned about their walk and their witness. Did you see it in verse nine? He says, Ought you not to walk in the fear of the Lord to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Nehemiah is like, the, nation is wa- the nations are watching us. Like the, nature's, the nations are watching them, the culture is watching us. Here's the thing. If we say that God is love, but then the culture looks at the way we are treating each other and it's unloving and it's mean and it's harsh, they're going to taunt us. They're going to mock us and say, you guys are liars. And Nehemiah says that if you don't change, that's actually what's going to happen. He told them about their sin, and then he told them how to repent. Verse 10, told them how to change. Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending. So Nehemiah is also honest here. He was lending. He was doing it too, but he wasn't doing it at interest. I and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon the, this exacting of interest. Return to them this, this very day, their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as we say. And I called the priests and I made them swear to do as they had promised. I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, uh, so may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep this promise. 
So may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they promised. He says, stop with the interest. Give people back what you have taken, everything. Nehemiah looks at them and he says, make the wrong thing right. And they did. And they did. And how they do it is actually a beautiful picture of repentance for us. Notice that they made no excuses. When they got confronted, they made no excuses. Verse 8 says, uh, where am I? Yeah, but you even sell your brothers that we may be sold to, uh, that may sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. They didn't say, oh, you know what? It was this, it was that. They just were silent. Their conscience was touched. They publicly declared the change that they were going to make. They said, they said, we will restore, verse 12, and require nothing from them. We will do as we say. Remember, it was in the assembly. They said publicly what they were going to do, and then they followed through with their word. Verse 13, they did as they promised. Sin creates dissension. This is a group of people who have been working very well together up to this point. But sin created dissension. But this kind of repentance creates and brings peace and unity. It's beautiful and it's biblical. And what it shows you is that repentance is not about words. It's not about what we say. If you're truly repenting, it's about what you do and have done. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to change. It's not enough just to say, thank you for telling me that. It's not enough to just say, I acknowledge that that was a misstep. You actually have to take active steps to do something. And there's a beautiful, beautiful illustration. The prodigal son, he messes up. He takes all his dad's bread. He goes and he says that he squanders it. And then he realizes he's made a mess. And then he says, here's what I'm going to do when I get back home. And if you read the text, it says he got up and he started walking. It wasn't enough for him just to turn it over in his head. He had to, actually had to go home. But when he went home, there was a loving dad waiting on the steps. There was a loving dad looking out. When you truly repent, when you truly take action, to ch- there, is, there is love staring at you, both from God and the people who you've hurt. That's why we have to actually put it in action. I was talking to somebody this week and they said like their experience of God growing up was just one of just God is just angry all the time, wrath all the time. I want you to know that's a very unbalanced picture of God. Sin does disappoint God, make God angry, but beautiful and biblical repentance puts a smile on your father's face. And he says, yeah, yeah, come on home. I know Marv. I know there's going to be some missteps here, but repent, and there's love there. How do we protect our church from dissension? By loving one another. By loving one another. I want you to know that Nehemiah loved, loved his Jewish brothers and sisters. He says, moreover, from the time I was appointed to be governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor, 
The former governors who were before me laid a heavy burden on the people and took from them from their daily rations, 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also persevered in the work on the wall and I required no land and all my servants were gathered there for, uh, for the work. Moreover, there was at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now what, was, now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds and every 10 days all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because this, the service was too heavy on the people, on this people. Remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. He loved them by being considerate. Verse, verse 18, he says, now I, what was prepared at my expense for each was an ox and six choice sheep and birds of every, and every 10 days, all kinds of wine and abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor. Here's why. Because the service was too heavy on the people. He's like, I, I can't take any more from them. And so he considered what they could handle. He was also hospitable. Did you notice that he says that they were at his table? Verse 17, where am I? Moreover, there was at my table 150 men, Jews and officials. He's like, come on in, come on in and eat. He was gentle in their leadership. He says in verse 15 that the, the, the former governors lorded it over the people, but I was gentle with them. He was generous. Verse 18 says, everything was prepared at my expense. Nehemiah wasn't like, yo, yo, is anybody going to kick in $5 for the chicken? He's like, at my expense. He was also sacrificial. Verse 14 again. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be the governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brother ate the food allowance of the governor. So there were some benefits that came to this role that he had. But he was like, nope, I'm good. He withheld so other people can have. And do you know why he did it? Do you know why he did it? Did anybody catch it? It's in verse 15. Because of the fear of the Lord. He feared God. He respected God, he had a reverence for God, and he had a love for God. See, love for God always leads to love for your neighbor. He loved his brothers and sisters, and I want you to know that the way that he loved them, you can come, Sanjay, is the way that Jesus loved us. The way Nehemiah loved these people is the way that Jesus loved us. Do you know that Jesus was generous towards us? It says in the New Testament that though he was rich, for our sake he became poor. Jesus gave so we could have. Jesus considered us. It says that he considered our interest above his own. Jesus, do you know this, is going to show you beautiful hospitality. You're like, how do you know, Marv? How do you know? Well, I know it because it's in scripture. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. And I'm going there to get one ready for you. And then Jesus says that when he comes, he's going to let you and me recline at the table so that he then will get dressed and serve us. Blessing and hospitality and love is coming your way. Jesus 
was gentle with us. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle. Jesus sacrificed for us. In scripture, it says that he gave himself for you. See, nobody had to force Jesus to the cross. Nobody had to to, to push him and say, can you please do this? Can you please do this? Jesus looks and he says, Jermaine, I love you. Selena, I love you. Uh, Beatrice, I love you. So I am going to the cross for you so that your life can be changed and transformed. Nobody had to convince our king to sacrifice for us. He was willing to do that. Willing to go says, for the joy that was set before him. What joy? To see you sitting here singing. To see you sitting here taking to communion. To see you sitting here loving each other. To see you sitting here blessing the community that you're put, in, you're put in. The joy that was set before him. To see you sitting here living the way you should with your Savior in your heart, above your life, guiding you every day. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus went because he knew what you would become through his work and your faith in him, the joy that was set before him. You didn't have to convince him. He wanted to go. He went for love. He loved us. And now he says, love each other. And love's work. And love's messy. He loved us. And now he says, love each other, and you're like, how do we do it? Just by doing what Jesus did, by being generous. I'm not gonna tell you how to be generous. You just ask God to guide you, show you. Lead lead me, God, by your spirit, where I can be generous to those who are in my church family. Where can I do that? How can I do that? By being considerate. How, God, can I be considerate this week, next week, this month, next year? to those you have placed around me in this family that I say I belong to? How can I show hospitality? What does that look like for me? Because here's the thing, hospitality is different for everybody. Do you know that? Sometimes you read a book and they're like, here's how I did hospitality. Everybody should do it like this. You're like, your life's different. I can't have people come over and fold my laundry. I'm not even sure if I want to. There's a book that said that. But can you imagine, yo, bro, don't touch my underwear like that. Anthony, we're boys, but I don't. Hospitality is different. Ask God to guide you by being gentle. And that's a word for me. As a leader, one of the leaders, one of the shepherds, not the only shepherd in our church family. Being gentle. I want to be that way. I'm not always that way. But I see the way Jesus leads and Nehemiah led. I'm like, that's how I want to be. I don't want anybody to be like, that guy lorded it over me. And so that's how you pray. You're like, how can I pray for Marv? So I'm like, pray that way. How can I help Marv? Be gentle in front of me. Model that for me. I'm learning too. I just get to be up here for like 30 minutes. But I'm walking the same walk. You understand? Model it. By being sacrificial, what can I give up? What should I give up? What do I need to withhold from that I'm not withholding from so I can participate well in the life of the church? Actions like these protect our church from dissension and brings glory to God. Let's stand and pray. God, we give you praise and glory 
for the way you bless us and help us, for all the ways, Lord God, you are present and working in our lives. God, we give you thanks for Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that he would have been lifted up before the eyes of my brothers and sisters for his goodness towards us, that because of him, we are redeemed. That we are being transformed, that we are being changed. That because of him, Lord God, we can sing and give you praise. God, thank you that our Savior is alive. That we can know without doubt that our Savior lives. And because he is alive, our life is being changed. And that you are present and working in our church. Please continue to do your thing, Lord God, as we do ours. By faith. Give us the strength right now to sing your praise and give you the glory that you deserve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.